Welcome to Ancient Roots Modern Paths, exploring Orisha and Ifa wisdom. This captivating podcast will take you on a transformative journey where ancient wisdom meets modern practice. I am your host, Ianifa Ekundayo Ekuntonisin. I'm a devoted student of the West African Yoruba spiritual tradition. Join me on a journey that blends ancient wisdom with modern practice. We'll delve into the sacred teachings that have guided generations for millennia. We'll uncover insights and practices to guide and shape your life path. Subscribe now and join our secret community as we unlock and apply the profound wisdom of Orisha and Ifa to everyday living. Ekabo, welcome back to Ancient Roots and Modern Paths. I'm really excited to be with you here today um, and to just reflect a bit uh, as uh, as I've been doing over the last couple of weeks, to reflect a bit on my recent trip to Nigeria for my annual Odun Ifa festival, as well as um, some initiations. So what's Odun Ifa festival? This is just a quick side note. The Odun Ifa festival is your personal annual festival. So whenever you... Uh, whenever you were fully initiated to Ifa, on an annual basis, kind of around the time of your uh, your uh, initiation, it's your opportunity to uh, have a big festival, a big celebration where your ikins, which are the palm nuts, the sacred palm nuts, where your ikins are washed um, by the awo and the babalao. Uh, they're washed, um, they're fed, and then they're red. And when they're red, you get your your uh, your odu for the upcoming year, for the next, we call it the next Ifa year. So for that next 12-month cycle or 10-month cycle, whatever it would be for you, you have the guidance necessary um, along with usually ebos, sometimes taboos, meaning things that you need to be aware of, you need to focus on doing or avoiding. And so that's a really important thing. And you can also, if you have ishefa, your first hand of ifa, you can also uh, have your ikin. So I, in my case, I took several members of uh, Ile Ifa Otu Arire, our temple. Um, I took several of their ikins to, uh, for their first hand of ifa, I took several to go through the same process but obviously they're not there, but still the same activities happen. Now, <clears throat> this is just a really quick side note that I'm sharing because I have discovered that a lot of people have a first hand of Ifa or they've been initiated to Ifa and have never had a celebration, an annual celebration. And that's also important uh, if you're hearing this for the first time. It's also important to know that that is in the Isheshe Lagba tradition. That is a pillar, one of the cornerstones of the tradition and the celebration is that you're always basically refreshing your ikins on an annual basis, as well as getting your your guidance for the upcoming Ifa year and that Ifa cycle. So that's just a side note, something that you to for you to know and to abide by. But I have a, a different fo- focus for today's uh, conversation, today's podcast, and that is uh, three lessons from my trip. Uh, three things I learned a lot more than just three things, but I wanted to share. I wanted to share a couple of these uh, because I think they're really important for people who are here in the diaspora. Maybe you're preparing yourself to go 
uh, and receive initiation in Nigeria. Um, maybe you uh, are here in the diaspora and someone performs some of the heavier ebos. Uh, they perform them in Nigeria, and you've noticed that um, there have been some changes in things. So the first lesson or bit of wisdom that I gained from this trip, and I went last year, but this trip was a bit different, is that the first lesson is that while we know that cost of living here in the in the diaspora, at least especially here in the United States, I can speak specifically to, the cost of living has gone up dramatically. Gas is more expensive. Food is more expensive. Um, if you're trying to buy a house, you know that mortgage rates have, have skyrocketed over the last few months. Um, just the cost of goods is more expensive. Uh, and so... What is also important to know is that that same experience is happening in Nigeria. There's tremendous inflation. And so, for example, in the past when I've gone, one U.S. dollar was worth about 700 to 750 naira. That's the currency, the Nigerian currency or Nigeria's currency. Um, now we did an exchange. It was one U.S. dollar to 950 naira. So that should give you an example of how significantly um, inflated the the naira is. And then there's also the equal inflation on the cost of goods. So fuel, they buy fuel, they buy gas by the liter. So it's smaller than it's a bit smaller measurement than a gallon. And their fuel is much, much more expensive now than it has been in the past, even though they are one of the most significant producers of crude oil. A lot of that crude oil does not stay in Nigeria. It is sent into the European markets. So one of the things is that um, all of the materials for initiation, all of those materials have gone up significantly. So you may be saying, yeah, why are you sharing this information? Because if you're getting any work done or any initiations done, just re just know that things are more expensive. The materials used in this process are much more expensive, and so you have to govern yourself accordingly. And I say that because one of the one of the elements of you know, if you have a community in Nigeria that, or in Aluo or Babalao or Yalarisha, Babalarisha that you're that you're working with, they may they may say to you things are more expensive. The costs have gone up, and because we are, we tend to sometimes be um, not very trusting. Some of that is that there's so much um, adverse news about Nigerians and you know, scam artists and all of that. And I am saying also you have to use your discernment. Never, ever, ever um, send money to a babalao or it's usually babalaos that are doing this who jump into your into your inbox on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever and say that, you know, your ancestors told them that you need to do Ebo. Do not send them money. They are scam artists. Um, uh, competent babalaos and iyanifas and Yalarisha's Babalushas, they do not solicit business. <laughs> they do not jump into your DMs and scare you. Um, so please do not send any of them money, period, full stop. Same with here in the diaspora. 
Do not send anybody any money that you have not built a relationship with. Um, uh, anyone that jumps in and says, oh, I can do these ebos for you, for money, for love, for good luck, for whatever, that's that's BS. Sorry, I almost cursed, but that's BS. Don't, don't, do not, do not fall for that trap. Build relationships with people who are in the tradition. Use your, use your instincts, your understanding. So going back to my point. So things are much more expensive. So if you're, if you're working with people in Nigeria, know that the cost of materials for initiations has, have increased. And so govern yourself accordingly. If you have a trusting, solid relationship with whoever you're working with, make sure that you are also, you know, putting aside more money uh, so that you can you can support the work that has to be done. So that's my first lesson. It's not really a lesson. It's just a level of awareness and a wisdom point that I, I want to share and convey. The second is, now this is going to get a little bit deeper, into a lot of the experiences that I know people have had here in the diaspora, uh, really in the Western Hemisphere. And that is... We are often told by people that, and then I'm gonna, this is actually specific to the diaspora. We are often told that we, um, that our, you know, whoever the elder is that we're studying under or we're getting to know, we, we go to ask questions and they say, you can't ask any questions. That's not, that's not information that you can have right now. Um, and so we kind of feel kind of tightened up and we, you know, we're, we're uncomfortable and then, you know, we're, we're asking to, to see something or to do something or what have you. And they say, you know, you can't have that. You're not, you're, you're not able to access that information right now. So there's two kind of sides of this that I want to explore. The first is, is that everything, like there's, there's a time, there is a time and a place to get information, more sort of deeper information, sort of like, could you imagine having your three-year-old drive a vehicle? No, because your three-year-old still has to gain the understanding of how to, well, first of all, they have to grow. <laughs> um, but secondly, you know, then they have to develop the understanding of, you know, all of the sort of rules of the road, the things that they have to be cognizant of. It's the same in the Orisha Ifa tradition. Um, there's a lot of information that you maybe haven't, grown into yet. And to even have access to it can sometimes be confusing. Um, and so that's just something to be mindful of that sometimes your godparents or people that you're, you're working to learn from, they may not share everything. But when people so, tell you explicitly, you, you know, if they don't give you an explanation for why they may not be teaching something at that moment, it's an opportunity for you to kind of sit back and to really evaluate, um, evaluate that relationship. Uh, again, like when I've had people ask me, you know, to learn certain, uh, certain oriki um, or chants, sometimes I say, wait, you've got to learn this part here because this is building on each other. And if you kind of jump ahead, you'll have this other information. But again, it's like, you know, driving a car blindfolded, you won't really understand what to do with it. I think that's, uh, you know, you may, uh, as a listener, you may, you know, you may have that same experience. You're on the internet, you're searching for all this stuff, and you really start to get overwhelmed with the amount of information. Well, that's because there's some foundational pieces that you may not have had established yet. 
So that's one prong of it. The other thing that I that I saw, or the, the thing that I saw that makes me bring this up as a lesson and understanding is that in Nigeria, um, there are children running around everywhere. There are children who are coming from Christian families. There are children who are coming from Muslim families. There are children who are coming from traditional Isheshe families. So that means some might be initiated, some are not initiated. But they're present for everything. There, it was fascinating this time as I was thinking about it, is that there weren't things that were off limits for them to come and listen to and to watch. So for example, when the awos or babalawos were pounding ikins to mark an odu and then to chant, you know, to chant the essay, the verses of the odu, the ifa odu, children were there. And some children, there's one little boy, his mother is Muslim, and he started to sing along, chant along, um, as as the awo were 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 chanting and the babalao were chanting, so what it said to me was, and you know whatever we were doing different initiations, we were feeding different orisha, um, all of that. The children are present, and so what it says to me, uh, and sometimes they would ask questions or sometimes they were told things directly, right? They they were directly addressed around something that was happening in. Uh, in in the in the process in the work. So what it says to me is, as students here in the diaspora, that we we are able to ask questions. We are able to sit on the mat and to observe. We are able to um, to. We should not be afraid of being in conversation around the things that we're trying to learn, and if. The other, the other aspect of this is that if someone that you're studying with um, doesn't sort of give you an understanding of why maybe you're not, you don't, you, you, you're not able to access some sort of information. Like, for example, if they say, well, women, women just can't learn that, right? Women just aren't able to learn that. You have to give me, now that I'm wiser and older, you have to give me an Ifa verse or an Erendin Lingun verse, which your Erendin Lingun is the divination system for those who are um, priests of specific Orisha. Um, you have to give me a reason why now, because again, there's been so much influence, uh, and this is uh, Christian influence here in the diaspora, where women have been, particularly in the Catholic Church, um, along the way, women have been excluded from leadership. Women, women have traditionally been excluded. That inf- influence and infiltrated the tradition here, the various aspects of the tradition here in the U.S. And so it felt very punitive. So my message is, is that in, the, in, in Nigeria, children are able to access or, or, or participate or sit and absorb and learn all kinds of information, all kinds of making of medicine, the akoshes, all kinds of things. They're sitting in their present. Sometimes they're helping just by carrying something outside and you know putting it outside. Um, but there is a process where you're able to access or sit and listen to a lot of information. So that's my other, my other, that was my second lesson is that 
information is accessible, but information is also accessible based on what foundation, what foundational understanding and knowledge you already have. And if you ask a question that is beyond your foundational understanding, there's, there needs to be an explanation as to why, so you don't feel like there's something wrong or that you've done something wrong. Okay, so my last lesson uh, and insight was, again, the um, this goes to kind of the cost of living, but it's also more more extensive. And that is the initiations that happen in Nigeria when we're there. Um, those initiations, the ceremonies, they actually support, and an, it, so there's a, an entire community that supports them, and they support an entire community. So what does that mean? We, so myself and one of my god sisters, uh, one of our, our our elders in our temple, we were there together. We were in Nigeria together, and we both went. Through, we both had our Oduni Fa festival. So this is our celebration of our um, of our initiation to Ifa, the annual celebration I spoke about earlier. And for our celebration, for for the the washing of our ikins, for the feeding of our ikins, for the um, reading of our ikins, an entire community was involved, upwards to about thirty some people. I want you to take that into into. I want you to take that in. Upwards to about 30, 30, like 35 to 38 people were involved in our, our process. And here's, here's how, here's, here's who. So we have a group of um, Awo Babalao. So these are males um, because for Ifa, all of the initiational work that we have done the bulk of it, the heavy lifting, is done by um, uh, male owls and babalaos. So, from the time when the um, the twenty one ifa plants are brought to the mat, and the prayers and the chants and the singing starts, there's about ten to twelve. Uh, 10 to 12 people participating in that. Leading, you know, there's one leader, but there's people who are who are singing, who are um, then um, preparing and, and turning those plants into airway. Um, so there's that whole process. Uh, when the ikins are washed, again, there is a number, same number of people. Sometimes the new people will come in to help with that process. Um, because again, that's, that's, it's teaching and learning and growing for the Awos and the Babalaos. Then when we go from that process, um, oh, we got to stop, we have to eat. So there's a whole community of women who are preparing food, preparing and cooking and cleaning and all of that. So you have, you have that whole contingent. That was upwards to five to seven people women who are preparing the food for, for it to eat. Um, and then there's the materials. So often um, our Baba, Baba, um, our Luo, Baba Ifatopo Yakinwandi, he would go out to the marketplace, which is huge, and he would work with various vendors to get various supplies. So he would purchase those supplies. So the vendors that we work that he works with that right there was a number there's a there's someone who sells us cloth so we can have our ashobi our ceremonial uh, ritual clothing made um, for for our ceremonies 
there's there's the person who creates the elekes. So she and her daughters create all of the elekes. There's um, a woman who, there's a couple of women who have um, various materials, herbs, pots. Um, there's then a whole nother community of women who have animals. And so that's just that. Then there's a tent that gets set up. That So that's a whole nother group of people who come and bring the tents to set up so that we have shade while we're, while we're in our ceremonies and doing, and actually having our dance, dances and singing and everything. Then there's a whole group of people who come as the singers, as the music, as the people who are singing oriki and, and praise songs for, um, for the participants, for myself, my god sister, our luo, and other people in the crowd. There's then all of the people who come to feast, to eat, um, uh, and that's up to 150 or more people. And those are just people from the community who come, but sometimes there are dignitaries who come as well. And so you have all of that. You have the people who butcher, all, butcher and clean all the animals. That's literally a different group of people. And so what was fascinating for us was just to realize the number of people that are supported and that support the community that supports and is supported by the initiation um, celebration process. So I share this again, if you, you know, because I, I know sometimes people, you know, um, get upset about the costs of ceremonies. And I will say, you know, people who are charging $10,000 for ceremonies, I don't quite under, I don't understand that. I, that I will say that I do not understand that that is exorbitant an exorbitant cost. If it's here in the diaspora, if you only have one or two people doing ceremony and they're charging that much money, it's exorbitant. It's, um, uh, a really unnecessary. Um, <clears throat> but if you're doing, you know, up to, it might be, you know, $4,000, $5,000 or a little bit less for your, your festivals and such, um, could be 3000 This depends on what the, you know, what you have going on, how many things you have, what needs to happen. Um, you know, those are, those are prices that make a lot more sense. Um, but I'm saying this because sometimes people are not getting their work done. They're not going forward and doing the work that's necessary to get done because they feel that the price is too high. And I want to just stress and reiterate, there are literally dozens of people who are participating in ensuring that the ceremonies go smoothly and that you're well taken care of. That is my experience in our lineage for the last um, 10 or 15 years, is that it is a communal effort. And that is the joy of Ifa and Orisha tradition. It is a community effort. We are not alone and doing things, you know, doing things all by ourselves. There's a full community effort. So I hope that this was enlightening and helpful for you. If you've never had your Oduni Fa festival and you've had, you know, your first hand of Ifa, you know, it's important to um, reach out and ensure that if whoever, you know, you did do your Ishefa with, that or your itefa with that you know you get connected. If you're not connected, feel free to reach out to us um, because it is really important to get that information so you know kind of what do you need to be looking at, what do you need to be mindful of in the upcoming in your upcoming year. So if you enjoyed this podcast, 
Um, please share it with a friend. Um, it's been really lovely to hear how beneficial the podcast has been for a number of people who have also then come and uh, joined our community. Um, you're always welcome to join our community, whether you are initiated um, uh, at this point and you haven't, you don't have a current home. Um, feel free to reach out. If you are not initiated and you're on the path of learning and growing and you know trying to figure things out and you'd like to be part of a community, feel free to visit our web website, ifadestiny.com. Um, there's, there's a place where you're able to join our community and get access to additional uh, information. As I've shared along the way, my goal, um, my desire is that those folks who, those of you who are interested in being part of this tradition, that you are competent and confident in, in, this, in this work so that the spiritual benefits, the spiritual guidance that you're seeking, if this is the tradition of your ancestors, uh, that you're able to really tap in. Um, if this is an, a, a practice and a tradition that is of interest to you, again, that you're able to tap in and, and really develop your character um, and help this world be a better place. So with that, I trust you have a beautiful, beautiful day and, um, and many blessings on you. Odabo. Thank you for joining us on the Ancient Roots Modern Paths Exploring Orisha and Ifa Wisdom Podcast. To learn more about this tradition, join our community at www.ifadestiny.com. Join us to explore and grow together on this spiritual journey. Please subscribe, like, share, and invite others to hear and participate in our podcast as we spread the wisdom of Orisha and Ifa across the globe.